Greetings, all y'all podcast listeners. I'm Sarah Abair. And I'm Chris J. This episode of the podcast is presented by Holiday Lanes in Bossier City. They've been our title sponsor since the very beginning. And if you're out during the holidays, consider stopping in for a game or two. Their website is bowlholidaylanes.com. We also have a new sponsor of the podcast beginning with this episode. It's the Rafters Football Club, a national premier soccer league team that will be playing matches in Shreveport beginning in March of 2016. Give them a like on Facebook by searching for Rafters FC. One of the reasons we're excited about the Rafters coming to town is that their logo is actually based on the design of the Shreveport flag. We spoke with Will Broyles, who's one of the club's founders, about why the team's logo looks so much like the Shreveport flag. One of my missions is I want to bring the Shreveport flag back, and I want to make uh, people aware that Shreveport has the second oldest city's flag in Louisiana. The elements of the logo uh, that we have used are are the stars and the, the colors and the magnolia. That flag stands as a cultural identifier for us. Just a reminder, our next live storytelling event will be our first ever two-night event. All Y'all Live, Mama and Daddy will be held March 11th and 12th at the East Bank Theater in Bossier City. Tickets and lots more info can be found at allyallblog.com. When we were preparing for our most recent live event, which was called OMG, we received this intriguing message from storyteller Stephen Price. Hi, this is Stephen Price. I live here in Shreveport. And on December 20th, uh, 2009, I died. And through that experience, I obviously came back to life, but I experienced heaven and I experienced hell. We're excited to be able to share Stephen's entire story with you, and we call it More Time. Here it is. My name is Stephen Price, and on December 20th, 2009, I died. I saw heaven, I saw hell, and I'm fortunate enough to come back. Um, My wife and my daughter, we went out to dinner to Longhorn Steakhouse. I wasn't feeling sick. I had no symptoms. Um, All of my doctor visits were good before this date. And we went and we ordered salad, drinks. And by the time the drinks came back, My head collapsed to the table, and I was pretty much gone. Uh, My wife was taking care of something with my daughter, so she didn't realize my head had crashed until she looked across, and by that time, I'm folding outside, out out of the booth, to the floor, and what they tell me was my body was ballooning up with air. It was filling up with air. So I guess that's like the death process had begun. So that's what happened in the physical. And then in the spiritual, I was immediately taken to what I can best describe as heaven. I, um, it was almost like being on the train and I'm on a whistle stop tour, like in old movies and there on the back of the caboose waving out at crowds. I came out and it's just a host of family members. They're waiting for me. And my mother, who had died, this happened in um, December 2009. My mother died in April 2008, and she was right in front. She was young. She was vibrant. She was smiling. When she passed away the year before, she was very sick. She had been in the hospital about two years, and 
body just pretty much gave up. And when I saw her, she gave me the biggest, tightest hug and she had the biggest smile on her face. She hugged me and I'm excited and I'm still not understanding what was going on, but she hugged me and she tried to get me to come a little closer or cross, I don't know if it was a pathway or a line, and I was scared. I didn't want to cross, you know. I mean, I, and it still hadn't completely connected what was going on. But um, she just kept hugging me and smiling, and I'm seeing all of my other family members. And by this time, I woke up and I'm in the ambulance. I see the ambulance um, worker at the M- EMT, he's working on me and he's got the machines on my heart and pretty much I'm at a loss. I don't know what happened in the restaurant or anything. And I, the best I could realize was that I was in a car accident. So I started asking him, well, was everyone else okay? How are the people in the other car? And I remember being so worried that someone else was hurt, that we were in a car accident, because that's the last memory I had pretty much. He told me, no, I wasn't in a car accident. And next thing I know, I coded again. And this time, when I coded and I, I felt like my spirit left my body, it wasn't a pleasant experience. I went to what I can best describe as hell. And I'm standing on like a small mountain. And I'm looking down at a line of people going to this building that's on fire. And these people... I could tell they were forced to be in this line. Their free will had been taken away from them. And they had no choice but to wait in line. I'm seeing them going to a line, and I couldn't tell what was happening at the end of the line, but by the time they went in this building, it was like their souls were fire. Not on fire, but were fire. And you know, like fire whips, they're whipping and back and forth, and they're screaming and they're hollering and the building's just going up and up and up and it's just horror just came over my whole being you know it's just it was it's hard to describe it was just this terrible feeling and I'm not sure if I was being guided I don't remember seeing anyone else but I was taken back to where my mother was and she tried to get me to cross a little closer to show me something she wanted to show me something and I'm still not understanding what's going on, but I was scared. And I said, Mom, I can't. And something kept telling me if I crossed any further, I wouldn't be able to return. And I could tell she was a little disappointed, but she smiled like she understood, like she understood from my point of view why I wouldn't come any closer. And I had an aunt, and an aunt of mine had this it wasn't a bad odor, but it was just like a personal odor, you know, maybe a mix of her perfume and deodorant that, you know, I, I knew was her. And she had passed away in 86. And her smell was so strong on me. It was like she was hovering over us. And next thing I know, I'm walking down this path, and the path seemed to go for miles, and it seemed to it was wide as, you know, stretched for miles out wide and I'm walking and it finally comes to me that I've died. That's the best thing I can realize. All the relatives I'm seeing are dead. I'm seeing talking and hugging my mother. 
I don't know what happened on the other side, but the best I can realize is that I've passed on. So I'm, I'm praying to God. My daughter at that time was three years old, and we had just seen her in a Christmas play a few days ago. This was December 20th, so it's close to Christmas, and she was so wonderful and so cute, and that was the biggest thing on my heart was I got to get back to my daughter. And I started praying to God. Um, and I, I remember in the Bible, there was a story about Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was told by the prophet that he had a certain amount of time to live to get his affairs in order. And Hezekiah turned to the wall and he prayed to God and begged for more time back and said, if you give me more time, I'll praise you. And I, and I said, the best I could do is go in that same vein of prayer. I said, Lord, if you give me more time, I promise uh, I'll give you all the praise. A dead body can't praise you in the ground. Please give me more time. And I'm praying and I'm praying. And I don't know if I was being guided, but I'm walking. And next thing I know, I wake up in the hospital. And I'm in ICU. And they explained to me that I had sudden cardiac death. And that they were going to put a mini defibrillator in my chest. Now, this time, I'm still kind of confused. I'm trying to put everything together. And another time I wake up, I'm blind. I can't see. I hear my wife. I hear the doctor. So I'm really confused now. And I'm grabbing and, and, and searching. And they're trying to calm me down. And basically, they're telling my wife, and she told me this later, that they didn't know how I was going to turn out. I could have been paralyzed. I could have stayed blind because I'd lost so much blood to my head. And basically, and I couldn't have made it. I might not have made it. They said, we'll know better in the morning, but through the night, it's going to be touch and go. And if he makes it, we don't know how whole he's going to be. So she calmed me down. And next thing I know, I'm asleep and I wake up and I see somebody working on me next to my hospital bed. And I asked for some grape juice. And he gives me some grape juice and a straw. And he's talking to me. And then I realized I have my sight back. You know? And so uh, later on, I get the defibrillator put in my chest. And I had an operation for that. And the weird thing was there was no, nothing wrong with my heart. There wasn't any blockage. And the best the doctor could tell me was that there was something hereditary, like a time bomb, that just eventually went off. They don't know why it happened. The defibrillator was put there just in case it happens again. I haven't had any time like that again. It's never happened again. And so a few days after that, I'm, I'm in the bed, and uh, I can still smell my aunt's, in, my aunt's smell in my nose. And I was confused by that because I'm thinking, how can I smell her? And when I saw her, I was in another place. This body wasn't there, but her scent is so strong on me. By the by a miracle of God, you know, I, I came out of it. I didn't have any um, physical disabilities from it. No, nothing wrong with me physically. I can run and exercise, you know. I mean, the only thing that difference is that this happened, and now this is after it's happened. So, I mean, spiritually, it helped me in a better place with my mother because I no longer mourn her the way I did because I've seen her after death. I've been able to hug her and smile with her 
So it took that sting of death and the pain of death away from me. Definitely don't have a fear of death anymore. And it's kind of taken a, a pain. Any relatives I've had that died since is giving me a peace that I'll see them again because I'm so sure of what I, the experience I went through. I can't explain it all, but I know what I saw. It really didn't change the way I was living. I mean, I, you know, I'm a Christian before then, so I'm a Christian after then. But it just kind of me, gave me this confidence of life after death. I mean, I believed in it before then, but once you've walked through it, it's like, I, you know, I really don't have any type of fear of death outside of missing my family. I know what I'm going to. And, and when, you know, when I was in heaven, the, the feeling of love and peace was so strong. And I kind of felt like I was on the edge of heaven. You know, I didn't go all the way in. I, I was, they were waiting for me in the outskirts. Maybe I could have gone in and come back. I don't know. But it was just being close to it on our edge was just wonderful. So, why do you think you saw both places? I, I don't know. I mean, the best I can describe is just to be a witness to what I saw. I have no idea because I remember when I woke up in the hospital once, I, it was still hard for me to shake that terror. And my mother-in-law had came next to my bedside. She was holding my hand. And, and I'm telling her I never want to go back there again. And it was hard to tell her that because I had this wonderful experience on the one side. Then the other side, this horror was still in me. It was like in my chest, in my heart. And I just couldn't shake it, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just to be a witness to what I saw because I felt like when I went to hell, I didn't greet relatives there. I was really just kind of a witness and to what I saw. This is what I saw. But in heaven, I was able to hug people and speak and talk. So, yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I don't know. How old is your daughter now? She's nine. Does she know what happened to you? She does. She remembers that night. Because it, it was pretty traumatic for them on that side because I'm falling out. I had a, a nurse and a former firefighter forming CPR. Africa's yelling, asking people to pray. You don't know what's going on. And then for, for a few minutes, she lost joy in the crowd. So she's trying to find joy. I'm passed out on the floor. So, I mean, it was really dramatic. So, yeah, she remembers it. She remembers it. And she knows yeah. what, what you saw. She does. What does she... She does. What does she make of that? You know what? Every once in a while, she asks me questions about what I saw. And she talks about that night. I can tell it's, it bothered her for a long time, obviously. And, and, and I would just let her kind of talk it out with me. You know, every once in a while, we passed the hospital where they took me to. And she kept reminding us and talking about it. that's where daddy went and... First, she wanted to go back to that restaurant. Then she didn't want to go back. So we kind of were flexible. If she wanted to go, we go. If she didn't, we didn't want her to go. So, you know, she learned to deal with it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Does she ask you specifically about the stuff you saw? or? She, she does. I mean, she asked me about my mother a lot because she was two when my mother died. So she has a small memory of that funeral and her in the hospital. 
And so every once in a while she asks me about, you know, grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe in some way it's like it, it's kind of a, a treasure for her to know that you have seen her. Right. Right. I think it is. <clears throat> I think it's a comfort for her. Yeah. Yeah, and, to, and you know, just to be back, because I, I always say, tell her she was my focus to come back, that, you know, that my love for her and thinking about her then and just in the future, I'm thinking, my God, my, you know, a daughter needs her father, I need to come back, you know, and so I told her she's part of the reason why I came back, yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. Don't forget, you can keep up with all of our new episodes and everything that we're doing at allyallblog.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for All Y'all Blog. And we already have an event page up for our next live storytelling event, Mama and Daddy, which will happen on March 11th and 12th. You want to subscribe to the event because we're going to be announcing storytellers and all sorts of really cool information from here until March. Thanks, y'all.